You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. We've been in a series that we started last Sunday called First Things First, and the goal of this series is that as we launch into 2023, that you would allow your life, who you are as an individual, to incorporate, to make sure that God is first in your life. I think it's easy for us to believe that God is first, certainly, because if you don't believe God is first, he sees that you don't believe that, and you're gonna get zapped with lightning bolts, because that's how that rolls. <laughs> I'm just kidding, that's not gonna, that's not, you're like, wait a second, no, no, no. He's a very generous and gracious God. But it's easy to believe that God should be first. It's much harder to live that way. And as a pastor, my deep desire for you in your life is that you wouldn't come to church and then go about your life just living it normally, but that you would experience an opportunity to actually in every day and every moment to begin to walk with God in such a way that he is first and can be first. That you can know the master yourself, that you can know the king yourself, and that we can build our lives on his firm foundation. So. Putting God first is a big deal. And the title of today's message is simply this. It's His Thoughts Are Better. And I'm just gonna dive right in this morning, starting off old school, Exodus, all the way back, Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, the second book of the Bible. The Israelites have been uh, wandering in the wilderness. They have escaped from Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse three, God is laying out the 10 commandments. And here is the first command. You shall have no other gods, or you must not have, sorry, I'm thinking in my old uh, New King James, ready? You must not have any other God but me. You shall have no other gods before me. And so you should, must not have. So the, the deal is, is that God is proclaiming himself to his people. And he's saying this, I'm a jealous God, I don't like to share. I want you to place me first in your life, above and beyond all other things. This week, I have kind of a cool opportunity in my life. Uh, myself, along with six other men up here in the upstate, we're gonna be flying to Saudi Arabia. And to going, we're gonna be going to where some believe uh, the Mount Sinai actually is. Now, I can't prove uh, definitively whether or not it's the case. I find it's gonna be an incredible trip and I'm very much looking forward to it. But there's a place in Saudi Arabia, again, that some people believe is actually where Mount Sinai is. It's really, really fascinating. And if you read the story of the Old Testament and you know that Moses walks up to the top of the mountain and God encounters him there. There's a a cloud up there and it gets darkened. Well, it just so happens that in Northwest Saudi Arabia, there's a mountain up there just like that. I'll show you a picture. It's it's, uh, this image right here. And at the top of it, you can kind of tell, this is not a great picture, I'm gonna be there myself. In fact, I'm gonna be camping out on this mountain this week, which is kind of a cool opportunity. So, but I'm gonna show you actually the next one if you can, Elliot, if you don't mind. That gives you a better distinction. It's distinctly blackened at the top of it, which I find fascinating. And around this area, this is the land of Midian. This is where Moses would have met his wife, or Jethro would have been. In this area is the land of Midian in Arabia. And At the base of this mountain, in this general area, there's a massive altar structure, and I'll show you a picture. Etched in the altar structure are uh, bovine creatures that are in there, which is pretty interesting. So if you know the Exodus story, Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, God gives him the commandments, but while Moses is up spending time with God, the people down below are starting to worship the golden calf, the gods that they learned to to worship in Egypt. 
And so Moses comes down, and if you've seen the movie Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, throws the commandments down. That's about as, I mean, good, great, anyway. Okay, that's really old school. You're like, you have no idea who Charlton Heston is. It's, it's all right. You have no clue. You're like, what is happening right now? So, or The Prince of Egypt. Y'all remember that movie from the, mid, the late 90s? Incredible soundtrack. And so, um, that's what I remember of it. And there's that little girl who sings when they're crossing the Red Sea. Okay, uh, anyway. I don't know, okay, ADD Jeremy's alive right now. I need to bring it in, okay. So as Moses is up there, the people down there are worshiping and it's so easy to turn to the right or to the left. Now in the world that you and I live in, in a very different culture, a very different time, there are still idols that easily can be worshiped. I mean, you look at the world we live in, people worship money, they worship power, they worship fame. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, and it's there. And here's the thing, just like yesterday, back in Moses' day, and just like today, anytime we worship anything but God himself, it's always settling for something so much less. So God makes his first command to his people, the thing that he wants us to be able to live by, all of us in this room today, is this, is that we would not share our life with anyone but God himself. You must have no other God except for me. And it's a real command. And it, I, just anyway, super excited. The pictures that you saw up there get a chance to actually experience this. The question I have this morning is this, why? Why is this command the first one? Why is this such a big deal to God? Let me give you three quick reasons. There's more, but I'm gonna give you three very quick. And today, by the way, is a little bit different. It's more of me just talking to you. But let me tell you why. Why I believe we can't share anything. We don't wanna share anything with God. Here's the first one is this. Why God doesn't wanna share is because only he is worthy. The Bible says in Psalm 113, it says this. It says, from the rising of the sun to the, this is out on the screen, by the way. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. It's God who causes the sun to rise in the morning and the sun to set in the evening. That is the God. And here's the thing. There is no other God who can compare with the God that we have. So the first and foremost reason as to why he doesn't want to share with anybody else is because no one can compare with him. Who else can cause the sun to rise and the sun to set? No one but the creator of the sun and the maker of the sun who spoke it into existence. And so only he is worthy. Only he is worthy. But let me give you, let me give you some more reasons as to why God being first in our life is such a big deal and that we can't share with anybody else. Here's the, here's the second reason, ready? because or so we can become rooted in God and experience stability. Now, I'm gonna take a little bit more time to explain this one. Life is full of ups and downs. There are moments of great happiness and moments of incredible sadness. There's things that you can't foresee coming down the pipe. There's things that can be difficult, challenges to navigate through. We're always moving from one thing to the next. And in a world where everything can change and things can move, what is stable that we can actually build our life on? Today we sang Firm Foundation. What a great song to actually go along with this point. What can we actually build our life on? Well, I would argue this, is that there's only one constant that any of us could ever have in our life, and it's a God who declares himself that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which is an unbelievable constant we can have in our life. The problem is, is that many of us 
we don't understand what it means to allow ourselves to plant ourselves in a firm foundation in God. And so we live often, and this is me included in this in a big way, we can live self-centered lives where we believe in God, but God wants us to move from being self-centered individuals to allowing our life to diminish so that God can increase in our life. How do we do that? By placing him first and allowing him to be consistent. So I'll explain this practically. A couple of years ago, back in 2013, my wife and I moved from the mission field back to the US. And in moving, we had a three and a half year old little girl and we had a newborn son. And my wife and I had to literally move. We had to move places and move, move from Nicaragua, Central America, back to the Simpsonville area. We, we started to build a house. While we were in Nicaragua, we signed on it with a company and they were building our house in Simpsonville. And in this process of moving, we had to sell all of our old stuff and then we had to be able to get come to the States, move, settle in, and buy new stuff. And in the middle of this, we didn't have a lot of resources because we were missionaries. And it was a complete step of faith. We didn't have a lot of things. And in the middle of this, of transitions, of different difficulties of moving from, again, places to places, things to things, with young kids and my wife, there was one consistent theme for my wife and I, that God would provide and that he is faithful. So in the midst of leaving one culture in one country, coming to another culture in another country, having to sell our old stuff and having to come and hopefully find new things, we knew there was one constant in the places that we were gonna be living, that God was the same. Whether it was Nicaragua or whether it was Simpsonville, whether it was Nicaragua and Managua or whether it is Simpsonville, and I have lived in seven countries, and I'm here to tell you, there's a consistency that even the countries might change, the languages might change, but God is the same. And he can be a provider God. So in the middle of our move in 2013, I had a three and a half year old little girl and a newborn boy and my wife and I are figuring out, I'm here to tell you something, some crazy things happened because we believed and were founded on a God who's able to provide. The first thing is this, I knew that my job was gonna be heavy. My wife has spent time working. She's coming back to the US and they offered her a job at the company that she's with now, but it was a full-time position. I want you to know something. We felt God say, don't take a full-time position because it would be too much work on her as, as we're moving back to the States. So, so the first thing is we said, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but we can't take a full-time position because of the nature of what we're gonna be doing in the US. And so that was a major decision for us because I wasn't gonna be making enough money to support our family. And that just, it makes no sense, but we believe God told us this. The other thing is this. We were moving back to the States in April. Our house is gonna be finished in July. Have you looked at a calendar? <laughs> so we had several months of figuring it out. We weren't sure what was gonna happen. And I'm telling you, in the middle of this, it's incredible. So, but we had, a, again, a three and a half year old and a newborn little boy. The one consistent between all of the thing was that God was the same, is the same. He, he's a provider God who cares. And as long as we walk in obedience to him, it makes a difference. So here's what God did. We told, my, my wife told her company, I'm sorry, I can't take a full-time position. Her bosses went around and said, well, wait a second, if you can't take a full-time position, they created a job description based on what she wanted to do and the hours that she could work. They came back to her and said, okay, so you can't do full-time. What do you wanna do? She said, I'll do this, this, and this. They said, okay, hired, boom. Job, literally three days later after we told them no, they created a position just for her around the, around the time frame that we could work. Then secondly, as we're moving back to the US, our house was not finished yet. We had several months of what we needed to do. Someone in this area just so happened to have a house available that they weren't using that they said, you can use our house. 
We said, well, how long do you have the house available? They said, well, the house is available from April until the end of July. We said, sold. And then they said, you can use it for free. We said, where do I sign? Right there. <laughs> so, and then what's crazy, we came back. We move in on a Saturday night. We, we fly back from the US and I just will never forget it with my, with my we, we go to the house that was, uh, listen, truly available until the end of July. It was available right until our house was finished. And our house was finished at the end of July and boom, we moved in our house. But when we moved into this temporary house, some people, some of our friends went in there and put pictures of our family up on the walls, made the house feel very homey. So when we moved in, it was perfectly for us. The Lord actually told my wife in this transition that God would take care of us. Let me, let me tell you why God wants to be first in your life. Because there's only one steady thing you can actually plant your feet on. There's one. And it's not you. You can't plan it on what the economy is gonna do next because you have no idea. You can't plan it on is there gonna be a war in the future or what's gonna happen in our country with different... I mean, there's too many things that change. There's too many things that change. But there is one that doesn't, and his name is Jesus. And the reason why God says, I want to be first in your life is so that you can have some stability. And when you allow yourself to draw close to him, when you allow yourself to know him, when you allow yourself to be consistent and realize that it doesn't matter what context you're in, that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And guess what? He is good all the time. And all the time he is good. It provides stability where there's no other place for stability. But the reason, and let me just get even more honest, the reason why a lot of people don't experience the stability is because they live for themselves. Because we don't put God first. We believe in him, but live for us. But God doesn't want us to have any other gods before him. And so the process of putting God first is allowing him to come in and we acknowledge who he is and we surrender over to him and then we build into him. We, we allow him to build into us and allow him to take over our, our every area of our life. And here's the thing, it provides an incredible amount of stability. Even when moving, even when life may seem like it's at its worst, you can have something to hold on to. This is huge. This is why people who go through very difficult situations, but they declare that God is good, can find themselves navigating through it. Listen, not easy. Let me just say real quick. God never promised easy. He never said it would be easy. He just said he would be with us. And by the way, in the flood, he can be with you. In the fire, he can be with you. When things go haywire, he can be with you. When relationships dissolve, he can be with you. When your health goes difficult, he can be with you. He is with you at all times. He's with you in all moments. It's a very, very, he's a very, very awesome and good God. So why? Number one, because he's worthy. No one else is worthy. Let me give you another reason is what we just finished saying is because we can become rooted in God and experience stability in an unstable World, he's the only one that can be stable. And here, let me give you another reason why we put God first in our life and we don't share. is because this, we become the very best version of ourselves. So yesterday morning, my wife and I, we, we do a fire by the fireplace on Saturday mornings. So like once a week, we sit by the fire and we're just sitting there, her and I talking, when all of a sudden I start getting con, like, like contacted by people in the church. Someone, y'all, any, who got an email, anybody? All right. Someone impersonating me sent out emails requesting for gift cards. Let me make a statement. I will never do that for you. 
The only thing that would have made it seem real is if it was gift cards to Krispy Kreme donuts or, or whatever. For, that's the only one. That's Pastor Jeremy right there. He's really hungry this morning. So obviously it was a complete scam and it broke my heart. And so immediately we're trying to stop it. We got an email out early yesterday morning, but I'm, it just broke my heart that this is happening. In the midst of this happening, my son, he's getting ready to be 10 in like a month and a half, came to me and wanted me to do something for his iPad. He wanted the game or something like that. And I told him no the first time. And he said, but dad. And I told him no a second time. And then he went in for a but dad for a third time. And I looked at him and I have this thing that my kids refer to as firm voice dad. And it's like, no. And apparently when I get firm voice dad, my jaw locks up and I turn and it was a, now in the middle of the stress of someone hacking me and I, I mean, I'm like, I'm angry because someone's taking advantage, trying to steal and use my, like you, they, they created an email account, jeremy.mylastname.therenovationchurch at gmail. And someone is, is just made me angry. And here my son is and he's pushing for something on his iPad and I don't, I want you to know, I don't always react the best way. And I look at him and I snap and I say, son, I said no three times. And I, and I actually get firm voice and I watch as he's looking at me and he starts to cry and he shrinks down and he says, dad, do you just want me to go upstairs? And I knew I was wrong. I saw my son, his little heart break right in front of me. I know you're perfect all the time. You would never do that. But that little phrase, Dad, do you just want me to leave being around you? And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. And immediately I said, no, son, just stay here for a second. And immediately I said, son, I was wrong in how I just talked to you and how I treated you. And I said, son, will you please forgive, Dad? I said, I'm not a perfect guy, but you have to know Number one, when I tell you no two times, I really mean no two times, okay? So let's get that straight. The third but is gonna lead to firm voice, but, I'm, but, but son, I, over, I overreacted and I'm sorry. I really am. Will you forgive me? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you, dad. Of course I'll forgive you. And he came in and he gave me a hug. If it wasn't for the Lord to come and to tell me where I am wrong and to give me the ability just to admit where I'm wrong, by the way, we live in a world that says nothing's wrong anymore. Do whatever feels good. How does that affect relationships? How does that affect how you treat others? If there's nothing wrong, then there's no point in asking for forgiveness. There's no point in trying to restore any kind of relationship. And yet I had my a nine-year-old son looking at me like, Dad, you just yelled at me. And I, I... The rest of the day, after we got, the rest of the day, we just wrestled and we played and were ridiculous and the house was destroyed and it was a complete mess. But the Lord convicted me and said, Jeremy, you were wrong in that place. And so this is, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He doesn't leave you where you are and how you are. He says, admit where you're wrong. Deal with these issues. Why? Because God being first in your life means that you can be the very best version of who God meant you to be. No one knows who you're supposed to be more than your creator. What kind of husband, what kind of wife, what kind of son, what kind of daughter would you be if you actually begin to put God first? You will be the very best, you'll be the very best employee at your company if you put God first in your life. Because while everyone else is cheating and trying to get ahead and playing politics in the office, God's gonna put you on a path to be honest. I know this is just a little, anyway, all right. So, sorry, I'm like super behind. All right, let's keep going. Let me show you a passage of scripture. Romans 12, verse two. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's the deal. We're talking about putting God first in our life, and last week, the, the idea was is that we're never gonna put God first unless we have a heart of gratitude. Let me tell you an area in our life that we need to put God first in, ready? It's our thoughts. You will never put God first in your life if you, unless you put God first in your thoughts, ever. And we tend to think that this is our space, because why would it not be? And by the way, we don't want anyone to see some of the crazy things we think in here, because this is ours. And yet God made a declaration. He said this. He said, there's no other God except for me. And that includes right here. And if in our thoughts we say these are no longer our thoughts, but we are God's thoughts, that means the things that we think really, really matter. That means how we process information, how we make decisions really, really matters. That's why Romans says this, allow God to renew the way you think because you're never gonna live a good life by thinking the wrong thoughts. You're never gonna live a life where you put God first if you're thinking wrong in this area. That's why the Bible matters so much. In fact, Isaiah 55 says this. God is speaking through Isaiah. He says this. For my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And when we invite God into our life, do you know what we're doing? We're saying, God, your thoughts that are higher than my thoughts are allowed to come in to change the way I think, to change the way I live. And in fact, this idea of allowing God to change the way we think is so important to Christianity to all of us in this room, that we will never, ever, ever put God first in our life until we change the way we think. Actually, we'll put it to you another way, until we allow God to change the way we think. That's why the Bible matters so much, because it's his word that comes and speaks truth into our thoughts, and we allow ourselves to be planted onto his truth. So I'm gonna give you an example of how, let's just, okay, let's just do this. I'm gonna show you a beautiful passage of scripture from Philippians chapter one. Ready, here it is. Here's Paul writing to the Philippian church and he says this about this. This has to do with how we think and process information. So here we go. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Now, let me just say this. This is a beautiful passage of scripture and it's really, really nice. Paul is in prison because he's trying to pass on the gospel. And in the process of trying to pass on the gospel, he gets arrested and things don't go according to his plan. And so he's stuck there. Now, he writes this beautiful passage of scripture letting the Philippians know that it's okay even though he's arrested that the good news is still being passed on. But I'm here to tell you something. We don't always think like Paul thinks. And I don't think like Paul thinks. And it's beautiful and it's nice. And you could put that verse on a mug. You could put that verse on, on, you know, on a little thing from Hobby Lobby and slap it up in your house. Oh, it's so beautiful and it's nice and it's cursive and it's pretty. I'm here to tell you something. In reality, we don't think this way. Uh, let me give you the new Jeremy translation of how I would have written this passage of scripture if I was experiencing what Paul experienced. Ready? This is the new Jeremy version international. If I am imprisoned because of, the, because of what doing, this is how I'll write it. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has been the absolute worst. As a result of the living torment I've been going through, I'm quitting serving and never coming back to church. Also, if I even see a Christian bumper sticker while driving, I will run that person off the road. Glory to God. That's how I think. And guess what? That's how you think. It's just how we process information. 
We're like, this is nonsense. I'm offended. I'm getting out. And yet here you have Paul who has been on this journey of following Christ. And I want you to see his thoughts are so very different. And I'm here to tell you something. God wants your thoughts in 2023 to be different than they were in 2022. He doesn't want you. You can believe a lot of things, but until you allow those thoughts to become solid in your mind and consistent and steady. This is something I mentioned Wednesday night at our prayer thing. You know, I grew up in the charismatic church, okay, in that kind of movement, but I also went to private Baptist schools, so I was deeply confused as a kid. I mean, like, didn't know what to do. I'm swinging on chandeliers on Sunday, and I'm in a committee on Monday at school. It was all kinds of confusing. But I'll tell you this about the charismatic church. It was always about the kind of faith that you had. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we think about, well, if I have the big enough faith, then God is actually gonna react. Let me tell you something. Faith is not, and I've said this many times, faith is not wishing upon a star or pretending that everything is okay. Faith is declaring that God is good. That's faith. When you don't see it, God is good. When I don't understand it, God is good. And holding on to that faith despite what you see and then what happens is eventually, whether you see it in the moment or not, you look back and you wait, wait, wait a second, God is good. That one thought, faith is declaring and believing that my God is good. He is unchanging, he is faithful, he's the beginning and he is the end. And despite what I experience and see, I stand on the rock, the firm foundation, my God is worthy. So, this one thought beckons in your mind over and over again. Then despite what you experience and despite what you see, even if you're in prison like Paul, allows Paul because he can declare it, even while in prison. Let me read it now again, the passage of scripture from Paul in Philippians. He says this, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Let me put it to you another way. Paul is saying, this wasn't my plan. I came here to be able to proclaim the gospel. Instead, I got arrested. I got thrown uh, into house arrest. And then he says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Paul is saying, even though I would rather, listen, my plan was to come to proclaim it in freedom, but now I'm arrested, meaning that I have a palace guard. Well, guess what their job is? To watch me 24 seven. Guess what? I can tell them about Jesus and they can't go nowhere. I can preach a 37 point message and guess what? They're stuck listening to me. It's like getting stuck in an airplane next to a crazy person. And he's saying, buckle your seatbelt because we have an eight hour flight to Saudi Arabia. I'm gonna tell you about why it's Mount Sinai. Listen, I don't know what I just said there. That's really weird. You have no idea how ADD I actually am. I'm like, woohoo. My point is, is that Paul says this, I, listen, I, I, I didn't plan on getting arrested, but guess what? Now that I am arrested, you know what I'm telling you? God has made it so that I can proclaim the gospel in chains to those who are forced to be around me all the time. And those same guards, they're gonna go around and telling other people about it. It's this incredible thing. Verse 14, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So others who maybe were hiding or afraid are now beginning to proclaim the gospel more. You know what Philippians, let me tell you what Philippians teaches us. It teaches us that we have our plans, but God's plans are always better. He's saying this, I would have done it this way, but God's way is always better. So I'm here to tell you, if you're gonna put God first in your life, you will never put God first unless you put God first in your thoughts. And how do you put God first in your thoughts? Listen, I'm just, 
declare that God is good, and then really, really believe that God knows what he's doing. Because you have your plans, but God has his. The building you're sitting in right now, let me just, okay. The building you're sitting in, this is a miracle for us. We started our church in the theater across the street, and in the theater across the street, we, we in the very first several months, we outgrew that space. I mean, we had for big days on Sunday, we did an overflow seating in another capacity, and in the very first few months of Renovation Church, we completely ran out of room. And so I had the pressure, I felt like, God, okay, we need to be able to find another location. So. Now, the story I've told many times is that we had a place in Fountain Inn that we were looking at and we came close to signing it. But what I haven't told you is there was two other places that I was looking at that I wanted our church to be at. One of them was the old Chevy dealership across the street. They have a business there. I'm like, that's right off the highway. I told God that was a good location for a church and that we should have that building. I marched around it seven times. The walls didn't fall. I legit, because I, it's right next to the theater. I went in there. It's some sort of business. I said, hey, is any of the space for lease? They laughed at me and then they said, no, I left. So I said, God, where are we gonna put our church? I'm feeling the pressure. And then a space right down the road from here, which some of you probably drove by on the way to church this morning, it says the overhead garage door company. Back in 2015, that was for sale. It was a million and a half dollars. And it was a warehouse in the back part. It would have needed a lot of work to make it into a church, but it's like eight acres. And I'm like, oh, we could put our church over the overhead door factory is. We went in to visit, this is before it was the overhead door factory. It's a million and a half dollars. We went and visited it. Matt, Matt our teaching pastor over in Greenville, uh, managed to break through the back door and set off a silent alarm that then became an actual alarm. So we all had to call the real estate person and say, hey, we're a church. We're sorry, we broke into your building. Alarm's going off. We love you guys. Okay, bye. <laughs> so, and so, but here's the thing. It, and I, I was like, God, so when, when the one across the street wasn't there, I go to that one, I'm like, it's a, it, Lord, it's, and I'm telling God, I'm like, that's the space for our church, God. People will see it, it's high up on the highway, it's eight and a half acres, we can build our church here, this is awesome, and I started making plans in my mind. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm building out a church. I'm like, whoa, we can do this. God's like, nope. And I'm like, but God, you're wrong. You don't see how it's right off. <laughs> God's like, nope. And then the Lord opened up the door for Westside that was in this space to be able to join us. And by the way, that was a million and a half dollars plus we'd have to fix that up. And when Westside joined us, you need to know, we owe $300,000 on this entire property right here. Our mortgage payment on this property is $2,500, no, $2,500 a month. Because the Lord had a better plan. Because we just didn't see it yet. And I was so convinced that my plans were the right plans that I forgot to allow God to make room for those ones. So my question in 2023 is this, how many plans have you made for your year? Have you given them over to God? Have you said, okay, God, in my thoughts, what plans do you have for me in my life? And the place that you're seated in, now here's what's the amazing thing. We're eight years in as a church and when Westside joined us, it was a learning experience of a church joining us. We have some beautiful people still fellowshipping with us, worshiping with us today that have made our church a better place. And God has done a lot of amazing things here. Well, our story wasn't over because just this last year, we had another church join us. Two churches in eight years have joined Renovation Church. And now we have two properties, two worship services happening right now on a Sunday morning. Our total mortgage payment for everything is $6,500 for like 70,000 square feet of space. And like... 15 acres of land in Greenville and Simpsonville. By the way, if you don't know, that's like a really good deal. <laughs> because our plans are always limited and God's plans are always better. 
Y'all track it with me this morning? I know this is a simple message, but you're not gonna, you're like, you're not gonna put God first until you do it with your thoughts. So the question is how? How do we put God first in our thoughts? Real quick, I'm gonna go through these very quickly. Ready? Start today. You know that you could ask God to help you. You can ask God to give you the right thoughts in your mind. Here's another one, ready? Stand on God's word. Find key verses to build your thoughts on. Find a verse that really impacts you. Write it down on a piece of paper. My daughter is on the, the winter retreat this weekend too, and, and so I was going into my, my, wife, my wife and her share a bathroom actually, and, uh, and so I went into my, our, the bathroom at our house, and my daughter had put a sticker up of reminders of how good God is and what to do in her day on her mirror on the bathroom. And do you know what I said as a dad? I said, that is the most awesome thing I've seen. You know, you can do the same. Find key verses that you can build your life on. Here's another thing, ready? Train yourself to take every thought captive. And the last is this, you know, spend time worshiping God. My challenge for you in 2023 is this. I get that we finished 2022 and there's a lot of tiredness and a lot of exhaustion. And something I mentioned on Wednesday night during worship service, one of the reasons we're so tired and we're so exhausted is because we've only leaned on ourselves. In 2023, my prayer for you is this, is that you would put God first in such a way that you would lean on him wholeheartedly this year, that your thoughts would declare that God is good despite what you see, and that your, your every part of your being, and from the way you think, and how you declare, and how you worship, that you would go out of your way to put God first. You would declare his goodness, and that you would find yourself on a firm foundation this year. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. King of kings and Lord of lords, my prayer for us, my prayer for myself, Lord, this year too, and everyone in this room is this, that with our thoughts and with who we are, Lord, that you would help us to place you first. You would enable us, Lord, to really and wholeheartedly build our life on you because your plans are always better than our plans and your ways are better than our ways and your thoughts are better than our thoughts. And what a difference it would make if we allowed you into our thoughts. We didn't say that was just our space, but Lord, we handed our thoughts, our mind over to you and we allowed you, God, to transform us, to renew us, to reframe the way we think. Lord, from the inside out, God, we would put you first, have no other gods before you. I just pray, Lord, that we would see and witness this this year in our life. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. And we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the renovation.church.